0: If you're gonna play in Texas You gotta have a fiddle in the band That lead guitar is hot But not for a Louisiana man So raw's enough that both are faded love And let's all dance If you're gonna play in Texas You gotta have a fiddle in the band Davis to step up
1: Howdy everybody, welcome back to Clear Eyes, Full Hearts, your home for Texas high school football here on Dash Sports. We're headed into week six. In the state of Texas, Uh, district is pretty much well, you know, in full swing. We've got a few, we got a few districts. You know, those five-team districts will be starting next week, only having four games. But we are here to give you a recap of week five. We're going to give you our primetime picks, and you know, we're we're switching it up a little bit this week. We're just giving you this big show. You can. Go check it all out. So we're gonna start with our scores from last week. We're gonna go into our primetime picks, give you a little break from football. Tobin's gonna present to you Lano on his small town spotlight. And then we're gonna give you our game of the week and give you the, you know, all that many scouting report players to watch and stuff that we do with that. And then after we go through our game of the weeks, we'll have our player and coaches interviews scattered throughout the week or on the back end of this. But before we get into everything, Tobin, how was your weekend, man?
2: It was good. Uh, The Ags had a huge win over Arkansas, the oink-doink. So that was really nice. But overall, I had a buddy visiting, you know, and uh, it was was a good time. Got to catch up with some old friends.
1: So there's a lot of very unique and intriguing names that they give to, like certain plays like the, the prayer at Jordan Hare and stuff like that. Have you ever heard of a better one than the oink-doink?
2: As soon as I heard that, I just started, like, dying laughing just because I, I have, fr- you know, friends and stuff like that that are Arkansas fans, but they came in very confident to this game after uh, winning last year, which they have a good squad, not taking any, anything away, but the confidence almost became an arrogance. And so um, I was really just happy that the Ags were able to, you know, take the 10th out of 11th game from them and really, uh, just, just, uh, I wouldn't say a statement win, but kind of got back on track. It was nice to get, get back on track with the second top 10 win, you know, or top 15 win. I'm sorry. There's a top 10 win. It is. Yeah. Top 10 win. I'm sorry. Yeah.
1: You're right. So you were, you were pretty caught up with a bunch of work stuff. I think you might've been traveling or supposed to travel, but anyways, we haven't been on the, uh, We haven't been on a call together since the Frost Polar Bears got their first win. Did you see that?
2: Yeah, I was really excited. I talked to Coach Gibson briefly after that win. A lot of things they did right on the field. And uh, just really, that first win's the hardest. So just glad he got that out of the way and kind of can relax. And really kind of not worry about getting that first one, but really work on, you know, more more. uh, I guess just settling in. It, you always feel a little bit more settled in after you get that first win and get it off your chest.
1: Yeah, it was. it's just really good to see a good guy get, get success headed his way and, you know, somebody that deserves it and does everything the right way. So just wanted to take a second to congratulate him and the Frost Polar Bears. Uh, You know, they got to – obviously they aren't – they're still hungry for more, but the first – like you said, the first one's always like the hardest to chase and get catch. So – congrats to them hopefully we uh it's the first of many and we will continue to follow them as far as well as all the other teams that we follow uh, every time we interview somebody it's fun to keep continue to follow them and keep up and see what they're up to kind of deal so
2: 100
1: but without further ado you ready to get into last week's scores let's do it I'm gonna kick us off with six A. Last week, Galena Park North Shore they took down Beaumont United 62 to zero. Number two, Westlake defeated rival Lake Travis 35 to 20. South Lake Carroll defeated Halton 62 to zero, and number four, Duncanville took down Cedar Hill 59 to 28. The Katy Tigers were victorious over Maid Creek 59 to three. The Guyer Wildcats at number six defeated Little Elm 49 21. Atascosa took down Kingwood 56 to zero. Cibolo Steele took out Fort Bend Christian, 48-7. The Allen Eagles defeated Denton Browswell 43-7. Highland Park was on a bye. Arlington Martin took down South Grand Prairie, 34-21. The DeSoto Eagles took down Waxahachie, 42-24. The Brennan Bears were on bye. There's a little alliteration for you. Spring Westfield took down Spring, 61-22. Shadow Creek defeated Pearland, 24-20. Dripping Springs continued on at 4-0. They defeated Austin Bowie, 55-7. Number 17, Austin Vandergrift was on a bye. Number 18, Prosper took down Rock Hill, 49-0. Number 19, the Round Rock Dragons were on a bye. Rockwall defeated Rockwall Heath in one of our primetime picks. They beat them 56-21. Klein Kane took out Tom Ball Memorial, 49-20. Jersey Village defeated Houston Springwood, 65-0. Klein Collins, handled Klein Oak 42-7. Trophy club Byron Nelson defeated Keller Timber Creek 69-2. And the North Crowley Panthers defeated Euless Trinity 42-20. Tobin, we're going to head over with you in 5A-D-1.
2: Let's do it. So number one, Longview gets a big top 10 win over Lancaster 21-13. The number two, Mansfield Timberview Wolves beat Carrollton Smith 56-8. Number three, Denton Ryan beats the Colony 24-10. Number four, Port Arthur Memorial Gets a big win over Baytown Sterling 47 to 7. The number five, College Station Cougars, defeat Leander 38 to 10. The number six, Richmond Foster Falcons pitch a shutout against Friendswood 41 to 0. Number seven, Alito rolls over Saginaw 73 to 7. The the number eight, Frisco Reedy Lions get a huge win over Frisco Liberty 59 to 7. The number nine, Amarillo Tascosa Rebels. Get a big win over crosstown rival Amarillo, 45 to 10, and like I mentioned, number 10 Lancaster falls to Longview. Moving into 5A D2, number one Argyle remains perfect over Frisco Memorial, 51 to 13. Number two Liberty Hill gets a huge win over Kerrville Tyvee, 63 to 6. The number three Fort Bend Marshall Buffaloes defeat Port Natus Grove, 35 to 14. Number four Tex, number four Texarkana Texas High beats Hallsville, 56 31. Number five, Colleyville Heritage Blanks, Fort Worth, Trimble Tech, 57-0. The number six, Midlothian Heritage Jaguars pitch a shutout against Joshua, 41-0. Number seven, Montgomery Lake beats Richmond Randall, 47-7. Number eight, Grapevine gets a big win over Fort Worth Northside, 56-21. Number nine, Wichita Falls Rider falls to number one in 4A D1, Stephenville, 43-42. And the number 10, Alamo Heights Mules, beat San Antonio Burbank 62-0. Jordy, take us in to 4A-D1.
1: Yeah, so when you mentioned Stephenville over at number one defeated Wichita Falls Rider 43-42. The China Spring Cougars played a non-UIL opponent. They lost to Dallas Parish Episcopal 24-16. The Cal All- number three, Cal Allen defeated Zapata 54-0. The Bernie Greyhounds handled Salado 41-7. The Anna Coyotes took down Pittsburgh 47 to 12. Solana took down Carrollton Ranchview 56 to 0. Out east, the Lumberton Raiders handled Tatum 48 to 42. Somerset at number eight was off this week. Moving into the top ten, or they were already ten. Moving up a spot from ten to nine was the Brownwood Lions after handling Wake, after handing Waco Connolly a loss 52 to 21. Number ten, the Kaufman Lions defeated Sunnyvale 21 to seven. And that is your 4A-D1. Moving over to 4A-D2. Same old, same old at the top with Carthage handling with Carthage defeating Bullard 56-7. Gilmer and Wichita Falls-Hershey at 2-3, respectively, were both off. Number four, Texarkana-Pleasant Grove defeated Paris 30-14. to Cuero absolutely manhandled Beeville-Jones 82-28. to Number six, Silsby defeated West Orange Stark 48-27. Number seven, the Vel- number seven, Belleville took down Lamarck 63 to six. Wimberley defeated Lampasses 38 to 28. Hampshire Finet defeated Bridge City 34 to zero, and the Center rough Riders defeated Canton 52 to zero. Tobin, kick it off over at 3-A-D-1.
2: Starting it out at number one, the Franklin Lions remain perfect, defeating McGregor 69 to 32. Number two, Mountain Vernon takes down Mineola, 42-25. Number three, Columbus gets another big win over Huffman Hargrave, 42-7. Number four, Grandview romps over Maypearl, 70-7. Number five, Malakoff pitches the shutout against Kemp, 63-0. The number six, Bushland Falcons defeat Dumas, 38-20. Number seven, Breckenridge beats Benbrook, 56-17. The number eight, Winsboro Raiders beat Emory Raines, 73-13. Moving into the top 10, the number nine, Lano Yellow Jackets, beat San Antonio Cole, 59-0. Also moving into the top 10, Cameron Yo defeats Lorena, 48-44. Moving over to 3AD2, number one, Gunner, remains perfect as they beat Gladewater, 59-7. Number two, Holiday was on a bye. Number three, Newton beats Warren, 53-6. Number four, Bells Panthers gets a big win over Kalisburg, 42-13. Number five, Canadian was on a bye. The number six West Rusk Raiders, Jordy, I got that right. I can't tell you how many times I've messed that up. Defeats Arp, fifty-six to thirty-five. Number seven Poth. rolls over Dilly, fifty-six to six, and number eight, nine, ten, which are Palmer, Lexington, and Wall, were all on buys. Dilly, 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 Dilly.
1: Yeah, uh, you, th- that might be the best tongue twister we have in in all of Texas the, high school football. The West
2: the west rust Raiders it gets me every time jordy like i said it's gets me
1: i don't think you're i don't think it's possible to say it 10 times fast oh
2: there's there's no way absolutely so, no way
1: but we're going to keep this show on the road moving over to 2a d1 Timson defeated grape 67 to 6. number two the holly bearcats handled anson easily 55 to 0. the crawford pirates defeated rosebud lot 35 to 0. shiner Started district off with the Dub beating Ganado 50 to 12, refurio blanked Bloomington 55 to 0. Coleman defeated Goldwaite 61 to 0. Stratford was on a bye. Cisco defeated Colorado City 54 to 0. Toller was on a bye. And Centerville at number 10 defeated Jefferson by two in a tight one, 30 to 28. 2AD2, number 1 at the top was Mart, they defeated Meridian 67 to 0. Number 2, Burton I told everybody last week it would be a tight one. They they did pull it out over Falls City, 13 to 12. Number three, Wellington defeated Panhandle, 26 to 13. Wink over Water Valley, 60 to 16. Chilton defeated Deweyville, 52 to 18. Price uh, Price Carlisle defeated Lone Oak, 48 to 32. Santo was on by. Fremont was on by. Albany de- lost to Comanche. Upset there. Comanche defeats Albany, 31 to 28. Number 10, Granger defeated Bruni 35-6. to 6. Anyways, so that's, that's our scoreboard from around the state, Tobin. Um, anything that really caught your eye there?
2: Yeah, when you look at uh, 4A-D1, even though, you know, Stephenville played a, a 5A-D2 team, but they've been playing bigger schools all year long and uh, just really pulling out tight ones all year long. That's really going to help them in the, in the long run of things. I know I just said long like four different times, excuse me, but it is going to help them down the road. And then number two, China Spring. You know they got their first loss of the loss of the year. But if you look at that Dallas Parish Episcopal program, it's a really solid program. So um, it just is getting them battle tested. So uh, th- those two caught my eye just because one one was a one point game, and China Spring lost a close one to Parish Episcopal. Um, so yeah, that's really kind of what caught my eye uh, this week, Jordy.
1: So turning the page to the this coming up week. Do you, uh, we're going to go ahead and get into our primetime picks. What are your two prime time picks? And then we'll, uh, we'll kind of talk, we'll get a little intro into our game of the week after that.
2: Yeah. So one of them is Hampshire Finette versus Jasper. Um, this Hampshire Finette team has really kind of come out of nowhere. They're four and one this year. They're in the top 10. They didn't start out in the top 10 and uh, just really playing good ball. And then Jasper, the last few years has been really solid and uh, still has a solid team this year. So that's one that I'm going to be keeping my eye on, Jordy, uh, on one of my primetime picks. And then the other one that I have my eye on, and actually let me go back real quick. Also, this is going to have some major staying power in their district. So both of these teams started out 1-0. and So whoever kind of wins this game is really going to have a leg up this year and and uh, claiming that district championship or really just kind of positioning themselves for the playoffs. And then moving into our smallest classification, <clears throat> One that I like is Santo and Munster. So Munster's kind of taking it on the chin this year. Probably not the year that they thought they'd have uh, going forward, but they played some really tough teams. And then Santo's 4-0, and they're in the top 10. Just kind of like that Jasper-Hampshire-Fanette game, this is going to see kind of who's going to take control of their district and put themselves with a leg up to claim that district championship. So those are why I'm really looking at these two games this week, Jordy.
1: The uh, I think we had Munster in our primetime picks earlier this year, and they were. It was surprising that they didn't keep it more of a game, but um, uh, maybe you know we don't have all the information. They could be missing people, or maybe they're just young. You, and I talked about it last week. There's always the a team that is young, and you know they kind of figure it out late in the year, squeak into mm-hmm. the playoffs, and all of a sudden they're dangerous, and nobody wants to play them. Yeah,
2: and Munster is one of those teams that you do. It doesn't matter if you're first in your district and they're third or fourth. That is one team that you don't do not want to see because they just have a winning tradition.
1: Right. But moving into my two picks, we got a rivalry game in 5A D2. That is number five, Colival Heritage and Grapevine. Grapevine, uh, you know, we talked to Coach Owens last year when he was at Lubbock Cooper and talked about, you know, just the amount of athletes that Grapevine has on their team. And uh, you know, these these schools are less than 10 miles apart, but I mean, being in Dallas. Fort Worth that means it's about a 20 minute drive but it's a big rivalry game it's a district game it's a more than likely you're going to be getting your district winner out of this game I mean that's what the odds are going to tell you when you look at who is projected where in this district but you can never go wrong with a rivalry game on your primetime picks and I'm expecting a very close one my other game is you know I I would have argued to make it our game of the week if if Madisonville would have pulled it out last week against Livingston, but they didn't. So therefore it's just a primetime pick. That's Columbus traveling up. So Columbus is now number three in 3A-D-1. Madisonville's a borderline top 10 team in 4A-D-2. So I'm really interested to see, you know, Columbus has held their own against some mid to bottom tier 4A schools so far. I want to see how their athletes stack up against a team that is not I mean, Madisonville is no scrub. I'm just going to leave it at that. So I'm just really interested to see. I think this is one of the best measuring stick games you're going to get for Columbus until the playoffs.
2: Jordy, our game of the week is the Battle of 377. This is a huge historic rivalry between Brownwood and Stephenville. Stephenville is ranked number one, obviously, have been all year. And Brownwood has pushed themselves into the top ten. This, depending on who you ask, is probably a top 50 rivalry in Texas. These two teams do not like each other at all. Jordy, I'm going to ask you, just historically, who do you think leads the all-time series?
1: I mean, I would assume Stephenville.
2: Well, you would assume wrong, buddy. So, Brownwood leads this series all-time, 46-30-2. I was a little surprised, but this rivalry started in 1937, and it's just a premier rivalry in the state of Texas. And so, why we we could not not take this opportunity to kind of highlight these teams and just really showcase the the rivalry and the passion that uh, that comes with this with, with what comes with this game.
1: I I would have I obviously I guess wrong too, and I knew that Brownwood was a very historic program, but for some reason Stephenville seems like the more uh, I guess you could say
2: recent history.
1: Yeah, but in my head it didn't seem that recent if, if that makes sense. So right right. Anyways, but we're gonna go ahead and move over to our small town spotlight. Tobin, so you did Lano this week. Tell me, like, how? What, what was your thoughts? Like, what, what what made you pick them?
2: Well, Jordy, just there's uh, so many things. Lano in the hill country, which obviously we'll get into. The barbecue there, just the scenery that comes around with being in the hill country. I, I know that I've picked a couple of small towns in the hill country, but I just love highlighting them, just because all of them have a little bit different things to offer than the other. And so I'm really excited to showcase the town of Lano.
1: Couldn't have said it better myself. Here is our small town spotlight.
0: Simple, not complicated. Some small town kid driven by rock music and some hoggy tongue in the mix. I like a whiskey and Coke double to the top shot of que now and then.
2: All right, Jordy, uh, one of my favorite things that we've done is the Hometown Spotlight. Um, listeners, if you're not familiar with this, uh, this is where we kind of highlight a town and just uh, some of the history that goes along with it, some of the cool things to do there, places to eat, and uh, just, just you know, different tidbits about it. And for this week, mine's going to be Llano, Texas. So a little bit about the history of Lano. It was established February 1st, 1856. Lano is located in the Hill Country, 65 miles northwest of Austin and 102 miles north of San Antonio. Lano starting out was nothing more than a frontier trading town town on the Lano River. However, over the years, there were big plans for Little Lano. In this tiny town in the Hill Country, it had many resources. One of the biggest ones at the time being iron deposits at Iron Mountain. This attracted many people from not only Dallas, but other northern states. Lano's boom years were between 1886 and 1883. During this time, there were some major projects that were in place for Lano, such as a dam, electric power plant, streetcar system, and electric streetlights. During this, steel steel town names such as Pittsburgh and Birmingham were thrown thrown around. Lano was thought to be the next Pittsburgh of the West. Unfortunately, the only projects that were completed. Were the dam and streetlights. Now, some of the industry in Lano is farming, ranching, the granite industry, and tourism with its proximity to the hill country. Some of the cool things to do in Lano are cool off at the Lano River that runs right through town, catch some live music at the Lano Country Opry, hunt in what is considered to be the deer capital of the world, or stay at the same hotel as Bonnie and Clyde, which is called Dabbs Railroad Hotel Bed and Breakfast. Next, we're going to move on to some of the places to eat, and I would be shunned from the here state of here we go, here
0: shunned, we
2: go. I would be shunned from the state of Texas if I didn't start out with the world famous Cooper's Barbecue. I think their name says all says it all, and I really don't have to go into detail because if you don't know what Cooper's is, then I highly suggest the next time you're in that area, you stop there and basically order the whole menu. If you're not feeling barbecue. Head over and grab Tex Mex at La Hacienda de Jalisco. And if you have a sweet tooth for that night, since we are a football podcast, I wanted to touch on the Lano football team. Lano's coming off a very solid 9 and 2 season where they rolled through their district at 4 0. Jordy, Lano is my hometown spotlight. Don't know if you have anything you'd like to add about them, but um, I thought it was very interesting that. Um, they were supposed to be the pittsburgh of the west i mean pittsburgh is a major city uh you know up in the northeast and uh that's just kind of very interesting that that was what their what their kind of thought process was with the uh with the deposit that they found there
1: and you know i could see it honestly um if it would have developed into the same size as pittsburgh it would have had a Relatively similar setup with the river running through the city.
2: Yeah. Like yeah, exactly. Um, Who knows if Austin would have ever been a thing if Atlanta
1: would have developed. E- exactly. And, uh, you know, another thing about Atlanta is just how have you driven through there? Oh, yeah. It's just a really beautiful downtown area. And the river that runs through right there, I guess that's technically the northwest side of town. Yeah. Yeah. And just past the uh, square and everything. It's just really pretty there. And, you know, compared to that, you know, that rock bottom river that they have compared to the clay that we have down here in Southeast Texas, just the rivers up there are so much nicer and they really complement the country. Oh the, yeah. The, the hill country area that they're in. Uh, and and you you're not far that, from all
2: the lakes and everything like that. I mean, yeah, you're, it's, you're it's, you're it's driving a prime time. Yeah.
1: It's, it's a prime time. And then you can tell just by driving through the town that it's, you know, very, there's a very heavy influence from the deer hunters there as mm-hmm. many people are always advertising feeders, deer corn for sale and stuff like that, and different paintings around. And then obviously Cooper's is always going to hold a special place in my heart. We, uh, I, I mean, we, we moved around so many times with our leases and stuff, but we used to hunt all around the hill country. I was a kid. And I remember yep. my dad taking me to Cooper's one time and telling me it was the best barbecue I was ever going to have. And at the time I did not really, uh no like he told me you know this is famous this best you're ever gonna have and it never really clicked until I went later as an adult and I was like man I did not know what I was eating back when I was a kid kind of like you know I (laughs) wish we knew it was the glory days back when it was the glory days. Yeah it was
2: like it's like are we really having to go here again like you know like you don't really like understand it and now it's like that you you know now that you're having to pay for your own barbecue with a brisket prices the way they are now you know like you took advantage of it.
1: (laughs) Now looking back at it I mean inflation kind of still it was it is what it is barbecue's always been an expensive plate i can't believe he bought an eight-year-old at that two meat plate you know (laughs) like now looking back at it i was spoiled
2: yeah i hope you i hope you ate all of it
1: oh i guarantee you i did i've i've never met a full i've never not finished my plate they have you heard the theory of what rich people do no so rich people do not finish their plate their meal anywhere they go because they don't want to portray that they are poor or hungry or looking for their next meal e i could never never (laughs) well that's Uh, all right but and and you know and the worst part about that is is like you'll never know whether your meal was good or not around me because i'm gonna eat every (laughs) single ounce of it either way i might go to the bathroom afterwards if tobin's cooking but
2: are you trying to say are you trying to say something about landry's cooking
1: no comment i love (laughs) i love eating buttered noodles every night (laughs) but all things in all seriousness uh when you texted me that you're gonna do lano i was super hyped to talk about it because it's just i haven't spent a ton of time in lano but i've spent multiple drives going through lano yeah stopping there for food or breaks or whatever and it's just it's a really nice town it's beautiful downtown i can't state that enough and I'm, yeah um,
2: it's a it's a great little town i mean that it's a it's a it's a prototypical texas small town you know it's a it's 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 absolutely gorgeous
1: but that's our small town spotlight we hope that you enjoyed the research that tobin did in our in our banner we really enjoyed talking about lano for that take it back to the top here in small town
0: usa
1: told Tobin, so we, we talked about it earlier, but, you know, our game of the week, it's a big one. Oh, yeah. um, I know you've read some stats on it, but I've got some printed out as well. Even, you know, some of these will be duplicated. So our game of the week, like we talked about, is the Battle of Highway 30, 377. It dates back to 1937. There's 13 titles between the two of them seven with Brownwood and six with Stephenville. You know, Stephenville, they trailed the all-time series to Brownwood. Uh, We talked about how that was kind of surprising. It's uh, 48 wins to 33 losses for Brownwood. But the Yellow Jackets have won 14 of the last 22. So that's a little bit – and I think a lot of that, when you talk – I'll let you get yours here in a second. Uh, A lot of the Stephenville – Momentum shifted, I think, when Art Brawls took over. Yeah, the that's there.
2: that's what I was gonna. That's what I was kind of thinking as when Art Brawls kind of came in and really, uh, really established Stephenville as a power.
1: The tide certainly shifted towards their favor. Yeah, and I I want to say that Stephenville's won twenty one in a row, I believe. Sixteen and oh, and then five this year.
2: Not against them. You're just talking about general. Yeah, in general. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, yeah, you're you're right because they went or they went 15-0 last year to win the state or was it 16-0? 16-0 15, and
1: then 21. they're 5-0 right so now.
2: They're, they're they're on a 21-game win streak.
1: Yeah, that's and There's that's a history hard to of do. Brownwood ruining some win streaks in this rivalry series. So um,
2: yeah, and I'm sure there's I'm sure Stephenville's been on the um, the same side of returning some to Brownwood because I mean Brownwood had, had their run back in in the day and um, rivalry rivalry games are just crazy. You never know.
1: So uh before we get into our players to watch and our little mini scouting report and everything, what, um, what, what's your thoughts on this game?
2: Yeah, both teams. I mean, Stephenville just has a really explosive offense, Uh but every game that Stephenville's played, they've given up, except for one, they've given up at least 40 points and the one that they didn't, they gave up 34 points. So I'm interested to see kind of what their defense does and um just, uh, if they've made any adjustments, and then looking at Brownwood, I mean they they can score as well. They've they've scored except for one game. They've scored in the 30s every single game, and they in the game that they didn't win, the defense really showed up uh, by holding the uh, other team to three points against a solid Glenrose team. So I think this. I mean, looking at it, I watched some of their film uh, for both teams. They both have dynamic playmakers on the outside and really good quarterbacks. Uh, even though that Ryder Lambert's out for Stephenville. But just gonna be overall. Uh, it's I think it's gonna be a solid game.
1: Yeah, and you kind of alluded to it. We'll, we'll start with the Stephenville defense. Uh, you know they're they're giving up roughly forty five points, a little over forty five points a game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know they're leading. Their leaders on the defense are you got number twenty seven, the senior defensive end Jack Barkley. Then you ha- also have number three, the senior defensive back Kyler. I'm gonna say Yuti.
2: Yeah, yeah. He's over, averaging over ten tackles a game.
1: And then their middle linebacker, he's a junior, number 42, Rowdy, Mc, Rowdy Markland. Yeah. Marklin. Um,
2: I wanted to say McFarland at first for some reason, but it's Marklin. It,
1: it kind of looks like that, but um, getting away from that, or, I mean, just in general, you know, the, the Brownwood coach had a quote in an article talking about how big and, and just like the amount of size that they had on Stephenville, for Stephenville on the defense. But, you know – I didn't really see a lot of size. Yeah, they're big, like tall. But that's, the one thing that I really noticed noticed oh, about ahead, them sorry. is how I, one thing I really noticed about them is how great they are with their hands up front. I, I know that's something that you and I both you know watch mm-hmm. when we look at film as the O line and D line play, and they've played some pretty big offensive lines, especially. Uh, who did they play last week? They played. They played Proho, Wichita Falls uh, R- Riders. Yeah, they played Ryder. Well,
2: and just to say, they're going to play a big, big offensive line this week. I don't know if you've seen Brown. Yeah, we'll we'll get into that.
1: I I did the averages for you, so. Uh, But so what? But what I noticed is like they were getting on them, and I mean it's not like they're so disruptive, but not in the manner where it's firing off the ball and blowing up the offensive line. It's they're controlling their gap, reading the play, and getting and and shedding the blocks, and -hmm. it's some of the most impressive work I've seen thus far up front and and then the rest of the guys you know they're they're flying around and when the gaps are controlled up front by the defensive line oh it makes it it makes it so much easier for the linebackers exactly yeah Yeah, so that that's what i saw is yeah uh, i was
2: i mean i pretty much saw the same thing um especially with their d-line um like you said they're not they're not overly like i guess you know weight wise they're not big but they're tall and they're pretty stout um i mean i i didn't look at the numbers but i'd have to guess they're all at least six two six three tall probably taller than that and uh it's really hard as a offensive lineman if that like you said they use their hands well so if they're able to kind of like keep you at an arms distance they're able to shut off those blocks and really control their gap so uh that's that's what's going to be interesting kind of um and i know we're going to talk about them later and uh but to see if they're going to be able to do that because Brown, its offensive line is massive uh height wise and weight wise so that's going to be interesting to me.
1: Yeah. Why don't we go ahead and just jump on into that real quick. Uh, Talking about the Brownwood offense. Um, So I'll I'll let you just kind of talk about that. And then I'll put in my two cents after you introduce us to them.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's really, really what it comes down to is uh, two, three things for me. The offensive line is massive. They do a good job at keeping their quarterback clean. Um, Their quarterback's name is I call really just a dynamic playmaker um, so that's really, I've kind of put two things into one. So, uh, I call just really can do a lot of things with the ball in his hand and then wide receiver Thad Hines. He's about six three, one ninety, and the dude just makes plays him and I have a great connection. I watched a little bit of their game, um, last week with Conley and those two were just, they, they had themselves a day. I mean, in the first half, uh, Conley put up a good fight and then Brownwood in the second half just really kicked it in the gear and really took over the game. And then the running back uh, for Brownwood, Conlon Anderson, he doesn't necessarily get like explosive plays, but he gets like five, six yards of pop when they need him like on a third down. And he really keeps the chain move chains moving. And really, that's all you need, because those two other two, like I mentioned, Ike and Ike and Thad, Those dudes are going to they're going to make plays and make explosive plays. So if he can do that for them, that's really all they need.
1: Really, just to keep them honest. Yeah, yeah. And I'm one of that so those were Ike and Thad were two of my three players to watch. And I had to give some love to big 77 Isaac Gray up front. So you know, you talked about how big they are, they are averaging. Like the average person on their offensive line is a little over six one and 250 pounds. Yeah. Gosh. So that that's that's the average. And then uh, but number uh, but Isaac Gray, I mean the one thing I will say about this offensive line is they are huge and they get on you, you are in trouble. Mm-hmm. And they, they seem like I—they Conley was doing a lot of stunts and, and stuff like that. And they were able to pick up on almost all of it. Now, did they get there? I, I think they leave a little bit to de, a little bit to be desired when it comes to being, you know, how lumber and athletic they are, but also at that size, it doesn't really matter to a certain extent. So, but Gray, he, he moves good and he, he can pull, he can do whatever when he can get to the second level and he's not going to get juked out by a linebacker and whiff a lot of the time. And so he was one guy, he's the left tackle and he just does a really good job. And I wanted to give the big boy some love because all we talk about is skilled position guys when it comes to players to watch. Yeah. Um, But, excuse me. But I I like with you. I think the running game is going to be very important. Um, because what'll happen is, if you if they don't respect the running game, I'm sorry, if Stevenville's able to control the running game just by gap control, you got to get to the outside on these guys. But that's easier said than done. Right, right. Uh, get no, your athletes. Get your athletes in space. Definitely. Definitely, um, and
2: and I was gonna kind of move in just you know talk since we're on Brownwood. I was gonna kind of move over uh, to their defense if we want to. Yeah, that's um, true. <clears throat> so they have a very similar defensive line to how Stevenville does. T- to me, they did. Um, they weren't overly like, like like we mentioned, they weren't overly like weight he- like heavy, but they were like they're just big dudes, like like just stout, like you know six two, two twenty or something like that, like those dudes were they were big and they were they were they had good fire off the ball and uh i think that they 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 played pretty well in the gap control and uh can, and making sure that their linebackers were able to uh to to kind of play freely and uh they were just they were they really impressed me by how good they get off the ball uh
1: the one thing i really noticed about their defense is the pursuit of everybody mm-hmm. because if there's one thing i would say that they have struggled with I guess you could say uh, I mean when you're only giving up 18 points a game you're doing a pretty decent job but they struggle with getting the guy down on the ground like missed tackles and stuff like that in open space but they do such a good job of flying to the ball it they, they it's kind of similar to you know a safety's coming down on a on a wide receiver screen he's got to at least slow the guy down he doesn't have to make the tackle but he can't let that guy get a free release into the open space. Right. Um, and they do a good job of flying to the ball, slowing the guy down and then swarming much like the uh, Stephenville Stevenville defense does.
2: Yeah, there was there was one guy that really caught my eye that always for Brownwood that always kind of seemed to be in on the tackle, number 44 Cole Miller. The dude's abs- he's he's really good, but he's a big guy and he moves well. He's 6'3" 230 and he just always
1: seemed to be around the ball. Yeah, him, him, and the outside linebacker, number six. uh, I think it's Chance Jones. They, I mean, those, they're not always for every time I noticed it, they were lining up on the same side of the ball, and uh, and Cole would demand a lot of attention, and then and then Chance is just free range to the quarterback, creating havoc. And that's when I started to notice, like that guy does a really good job of even if he doesn't make the tackle, he's slowing them down and giving the rest of the defense a chance to get there and gang tackle.
2: Yeah, definitely. I agree. I agree. And then
1: switching it over to the, the Stephenville offense, you want to talk about explosive, 52 Gosh. points a game. And I mean, it seems, higher that st- it seems like start? that's a low number compared to what they've done.
2: Yeah, I mean, every game they've been in is a shootout. They haven't – I mean, each game has been decided by a touchdown or, or a touchdown – maybe a touchdown on a field goal or less. Um, and just – Absolute barn burners. One of the things that impresses me about Stevenville is that in two of the games, I want to say it was against Everman and against Ryder, they were down for most of those that game and won in the fourth quarter. So they've already had some really hard fought battles. I mean, they beat Ryder 43 42 and they beat Everman 62 61. And those were just absolute knockdown drag out games. And unfortunately, just because of that, they're down, they're starting quarterback. But uh, I mean, the 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 backup is picked up right where uh, Ryder Lambert left off. Yeah, <clears throat>
1: yeah, and that and that backup is sophomore quarterback number twenty, Ryan Gafford. He uh, he had his coming out party against uh, yeah. against Ryder last weekend. He I don't remember what he, I think he threw for two touchdowns, maybe more than that.
2: I think they threw
1: for uh, around three hundred and twenty yards last week. Oh wait, no, I'm thinking of Brownwood. Brownwood threw for two touchdowns and ran for the other. Anyways, he he they they had they had some fun last weekend over there at Tarleton's uh, Texan Stadium. Did you just I, say I had...
2: Tarleton? Tarleton. It's Tarleton, brother. Tarleton. Yes. Uh yeah. So, but that, that I just I just didn't want people to uh, start making fun of you. Tarleton. Tarleton. You know, no, it's it's Tarleton. Tarleton. Yes. They're D one now, dude.
1: Yeah, but I, mean, I guess I gotta get their name right now that they're on the big stage.
2: Yeah, so I was, I was pretty. Coach right. Webb's
1: gonna kill if Coach Rodney Webb is listening to this. He played over at Tarleton, so he's gonna, he's gonna get my butt on that.
2: <laughs> so I was, I was right though. Um, they threw for, or I was one, one yard off, but they threw for three twenty-one and five touchdowns last week.
1: Yeah, that talk about stepping up and filling some shoes. I know, I know they've been. Feeling out different quarterback positions since Lambert went down, but he, I think, he uh, we'll, we'll talk to Coach Doty tomorrow. But I i would think it's safe to say that he he uh he earned another week at the at the helm. Oh, I mean, you have to
2: when you throw for 320 yards, five touchdowns, no interceptions, they actually have his QB rating up right here. He was uh, his QB rating was 144, which is super high, and the week before that, he was at 158. Uh, I so, guess
1: while we're talking about it, we can go get into the other players to watch because you want to talk about stat monster, the junior running back, Tate Marushka. 15 That's, touchdowns. Say that again? He has 15
2: touchdowns so far yeah, this year. Yeah,
1: and I think what they're five games in, and he's at what over, – he's over a 1,000 yards. I know that.
2: Yeah, I mean, as a team, they're at about 1,500 yards, so he has to be
1: uh, – I want to say he was at 1,100 by himself. Uh-oh. Yeah,
2: just checking on it, he's at 1,182 touchdowns. I mean, he's just absolutely tearing it up Touchdowns, 1,000 1, I mean, I'm touchdowns. sorry, uh, yards. I was looking at his touchdowns on the side to, of it. But, yeah, he's at, he's at almost 1,200 yards, and it's only five games in. I mean, that's just absolutely bonkers.
1: And then they've got two receivers that have the exact yep. Same stat of, lines, pretty much. Yeah, the same stat lines, seven touchdowns versus six. They have the same yardage. And I think one has 12 receptions versus 10 or something like that. Or I don't remember what the number one is. has
2: 21 compared to the 24. So it's, uh, oh, yeah,
1: it's um, close.
2: Tristan, Tristan, oh, goodness, sorry. I can't talk today. Tristan Gentry, uh, number 10 and then number 12, Peyton Post. And Gentry, he's only a, he's only a sophomore. So him and Gapper are going to have some time together. I mean, this, this Stephenville team is not going to go away any, anytime soon with those two still Having two more years to play after this,
1: yeah, and and that's what I noticed about both. And Marushka's
2: only he's only a junior.
1: That's the one thing I noticed about both of these teams is that they're young, not in the sense of like sophomores and freshmen, but young in the sense of a lot of juniors and sophomores at playmaking positions on these teams. And so I don't think this is a, uh, you know, a lot of every now and then a coach will like, all right, this is a they circled this is the year I'm going to have this kid. He'll be a senior, and this class will be a senior. I don't think this is what those two teams are circling. I think this is a, uh, this is just more of a look of what's to come going forward for both of these teams. So regardless of who comes out on top, I think you're going to see both of these teams making a lot of noise in 4-A-D-1 the next two years. Couldn't agree more. Could not agree more. So, you know, now comes the – Well, I, did, I I wanted to say
2: this also. Yeah. Um, we let these guys out because we just gave so much love to the Brownwood line. The Stephenville line is no slouch itself. I mean, we raved on it last year how big and physical they were. They're still pretty big on the offensive line over at Stevenville. And they do a good job of uh keeping Gafford up. And the and the thing is that the Gafford's good enough with the times where things kind of did break out, break down. He's pretty elusive to get out of it. So, but those guys do a good job over there as well.
1: Yeah, and what I noticed with them is they do a very good job of, you know, that when you're looking at it, it's not like a blind side, like the movie from The Blind Side where he's just putting him 15 yards down the field into the sideline into the bus time to go home. But they do very good job of getting position, getting guys turned, and opening up the holes. And then, you know, all you need with a guy like that is somewhere to him to squeeze through the hole initially and then he's going to do the rest for you out in space.
2: Yeah. And then, you know, with their wide receivers, if you give them a couple seconds, those dudes are open.
1: Exactly. So So. here, here comes the uh, not so much fun part. We're going to, we're going to pick this. We didn't do it last week because you were busy with work, but we're going to go on record. One of us will be eating crow on Monday. Uh, I know where you're going because you're a chalk picker. You eat chalk on the daily. So.
2: God, okay. All right. Well, I want you to go first.
1: Okay. I, because it's a rivalry game, I feel more confident in this pick. But I think you're going to be in another barn burner. That's for sure. But I think Brownwood is going to be pretty optimistic and the lights are going to be big for a sophomore quarterback and the Lions take this win.
2: Interesting. Okay. So my thing is, is that while Brownwood is older and uh, probably more experienced in some areas, age-wise, these kids at Stephenville have been on the big stage the last 21 games. They've got a target on their back. They've won close games all year against really good opponents. I mean, Midlothian Heritage, Everman, Decatur, Wiley, Ryder. I mean, Riders was in the top 10 ad, in a division above and they, they won the game. And in two of those games, they were down 10 and came back to find a way to win. So I'm going to pick Stephenville just because they've shown all year long that no matter the circumstance, they have the ability to come back and win. And so even if they get down, I don't think like you said the lights were too big. I don't think the lights are too big at all. I think they like being in that situation. So, Stephenville, book it.
1: What what did uh, what uh, what's the bald guy Jay Billis say when A uh, and M was losing to UNI? Sharpie, Sharpie, yeah, Sharpie, put it in Sharpie, boys.
0: Stand Take it easy Well, I'm standing on a corner in Winslow, Arizona it's such a fine sight to see It's a girl, my lord, in a flatbed board so Howdy, everybody. It is time for another Coach's
1: Interview here on Come Clear Eyes, May. Full Hearts. Since returning to his alma mater, our guest has led his program to a 32-12 and 12 record, if I'm not mistaken. That includes last year's 4A state title. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. Head coach of the Stephenville Yellow Jackets, Coach Sterling Doty. Coach, thanks for joining us today. We know you got a busy week ahead of you, so thanks for hopping on.
3: Yeah, sure thing, guys. Appreciate
1: y'all having me on. So I'm going to get it started with some, I guess, lighthearted stuff. We talked to you last year, and uh, you told us that your oldest was starting to give you a run for your money in family competitions. Well, you know, it's a year later. He's a year older. You're a year older. Looking for an update there. Has he gotten the better of you yet? You
3: know, we we'll, we'll mess around in, in the swimming pool there and do some some one-on-one pass pro and some lineman drills. And uh, I tell you what, he's getting he's getting closer and closer. He also had a, a full year of off season underneath his belt, you know. So he uh, he he did really well in the month of May when they were able to max out. And uh, yeah, so he he's catching up at a, at a rapid rate. Uh, you know, but but what you really got to look out for is the eight-year-old that's coming off the tight the the, uh, the high rope. They're coming in there to lay an elbow. Uh, <laughs> that, that that's that's the one that I got to look out for.
1: Oh yeah.
2: Well, Coach. Uh, speaking of that, I know that y'all uh, had ping pong tables in the varsity locker room. Is there anybody who like a player or coach that kind of runs those tables? If y'all still have them,
3: I tell you. Um, It's highly competitive now. Those guys guys get after it. I tell you, a guy that's really improved um, as a linebacker, Taylor Bennett. Um, He's put a lot of spin on the ball and and, uh, plays a pretty mean game. And then you you throw in the mix, uh, Landon Tooth, first-year varsity player, uh, lefty, solid. Uh, Our big left tackle, Chris Prister, Jr., uh, who holds the tech offer. His wingspan, man. People complain about his wingspan just being able to reach both sides <laughs> oh, yeah. of the table. Um, you know, and, and then quarterback Ryder uh Lambert, he, even in the boots not slowing him down. He's uh, I think I think he went on a pretty good little streak there the other day and I didn't beat. Um so it's it, it's a lot of fun. It's it, it's a good good opportunity for some team building and and just get to escape from from school and football a little bit.
2: Yeah, no doubt, some good clean competition.
1: But we'll we'll go ahead and move it over to the football field real quick. Coach, uh, you know, last season was one heck of a run for y'all. The program had I, I think y'all went 16 and 0, undefeated, state title, def- defeating LBJ there in, in Jerry World. Compare winning one as a player under Brawl, So like winning one as a player versus winning one as a coach, both that you're in the town you grew up in.
3: Yeah, I really do think uh as a as a player. We expected it to happen. Like we were just branded, if you will, from such a such a young age of, of just that identity of when we get to, to be able to play on varsity that that's what's going to happen. You know, for my group, we had a special group of talent and it all came together for us and was able to win it back-to-back. Back. I think as a coach, you really understand, man, just everything that goes into it and what, what has to happen uh, for, for it to all line up the way that it did. And just uh, the different ins and outs and the community involvement and, and uh, the coaching staff. And just got to stay injury-free. And, and you got to have a couple things go your way. And, uh, you know, it's just, it, it's a lot, lot harder um, as a coach, you realize it, to, to win. And maybe something that, that as a player, we kind of, I don't I want to say took for granted, Mm-hmm. Uh, but just kind of uh, assumed that it was going to happen because that was the belief system that they had instilled in us.
1: Right. Right. That's kind of um, what I was thinking. It's a lot more fulfilling as a coach. If I had to guess, I'm not on either side of it, but.
3: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I think you just, um, you know, first year I was here with 31 on varsity, you know, and then last year I think I had 40, Forty-four to forty-five, so we're, our numbers grew there in two years, and just creating depth and and having great off seasons and getting after in the weight room that gives you the ability to, uh, but just a lot of hard work in building that that, that program and and uh, you know now we're up to fifty-two on the varsity roster, so um, yeah, it, it's it's uh, it's a lot a lot of hard work goes into it, a lot of behind the scenes stuff that maybe as
1: a player you don't really see.
2: Definitely. Speaking
1: of depth, Tobin, I think you got something there.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, that kind of leads us into our next question. So obviously, you know, losing Ryder Lambert's tough, uh, just, you know, led you all to a state championship last year, but that being said, Ryan Gafford, the sophomore stepped up in a big way versus Ryder last week. I think he was around 300 yards and five touchdowns. Can you just talk a little bit about his performance last weekend and what him stepping up has meant for your team?
3: Yes. Yeah. So, so really now for three weeks, um, we've had two backups um, at the helm and, uh, so we had a senior, Carson Sanford, and Ryan Gafford, the sophomore, came in and played against Decatur. Uh, both of them did some really good things. Uh, we came out and, and, and moved forward with, with Ryan so that Carson could focus on being a receiver and Ryan could focus on being a quarterback. And so Ryan has now started two weeks, and we've had great production and no drop-off at that position. Uh, that's, that, that means a couple of different things. Uh, that definitely, uh, we have some talented kids. Um, at, at that position. And, uh, but, but then, uh, he's been able to handle his emotions and, uh, ju- just, kind of, kind of real, just, just, just level-headed and doesn't get too high, doesn't get too low. And, uh, he's just been able to lean on his teammates around him, around him. and, uh, you know, we've got a good offensive line. We've got a really mm-hmm. good running game, uh, with, with Tate, uh, you know, leading the state and rushing so far. Um, and, and as good fullbacks and, and and then we've got playmakers on the outside so guys that we can get the oh yeah guys that we uh, get the so that, that that's pretty good when you step into that type of situation have that that much talent around you yeah
1: definitely right, and real quick before i jump into the next question you, you kind of hinted at it there was tate disappointed that he didn't get 260 yards a game last week <laughs>
3: Yeah, I tell you, right. Riders defensive front did a great job, you know. And their safeties, uh, man, their run fits were spot on. So he was getting five to six to seven, um, you know. And and then they were talented in the back end too, and they made, made us really earn everything that we got. So um, it's good to know that when a team is really focusing on taking away your run, that you have the ability to push the ball down the field, uh, you know. But yeah, uh, it, you know, with him. Uh, had going off there for, for about three games of 300. Yeah, I kind of brought it back down. I think that 150 range, so. Yeah,
1: and uh, you, that's that, that's the one thing I noticed about Ryder last weekend was just, it, it seemed that even when y'all had it blocked, right, they were just feeling really well. And we went back and watched a lot of the film, really, and, and I really want to give you a chance to kind of talk about the coaching stuff that y'all have there and all the work y'all put in because what it looks like on film, is that, like, even when it's an obvious, like, y'all just do such a great job of putting your players in a position to win and be successful, play in and play out. And I just kind of wanted to give you a chance to talk about you and your staff and all the work and y'all have done to get your kids into the spot they're in this year.
3: Yeah, for sure. You know, a lot of people want to talk about our defense and and the amount of points that they've been giving up. Um, You know, the, the reality with that is, you know, there's been some ball games where, you know, we gave Everman 21 points. We handed it to them. Um, with, with a minute 30 left in our first game of the year, Heritage had, had scored four touchdowns. It was, they got a two-point conversion, so they had scored 29. And then so we've had two kickoffs returned on us, and then we've, we, we gave up the points there against Everman, and we gave up a pick six against Decatur. You know, so once you start peeling back the layers and then you add in the, the, the level of talent that we've played, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're close defensively to do doing some really good things. And uh, I'm proud of our staff and proud of our kids. Um, they've got a chip on their shoulder because they know that, that they've got to get some things fixed and we've got to clean up. Uh, you know, the main thing is we we got to stop the run. And, you know, people have been able to run the ball on some first downs, which, you know, as an offensive coach, if you can run the ball on first down, that, that, that opens your whole playbook. Uh, no doubt. Um, They're on second down. So just – were huge force. Um, you talk about the wiley game. wiley game we were uh 80% uh they converted on third down. Uh and fourth down they were 90%. Uh, last week uh we got off the field on third down on five we stopped on five out of 80, 11 conversions. So saw some good growth there. Uh, after the first quarter and only gave up 21 points. So we saw some some really good growth there. Uh, and then you just see the way that 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 we have been able to overcome adversity, and and, and that's really in four out of five ball games. It, it it was really tight, really close. We were either down at half or just up just a little bit, so or uh, tied. And so um, it just kind of shows you our kids and their culture and their belief in each other and and, and what we've got going on. So,
2: yeah, I mean, coach, that kind of leads me into my next question. You you kind of alluded to it in um, your answer. But we noticed how impressive the schedule y'all played has been. um, Just the the level of competition, Um, and some of those games y'all y'all trailed uh, at at the half going into the half. uh, You know, what was your message to your team um, just during those games?
3: Yeah, I I really do think, like I said earlier, um, you know, don't don't hit the panic button. Um, You're you're built for this, and you're prepared for this. Uh, Everything that we've done in the off season, mentally and physically. And then it pushes back to to August and and basically how you prepare uh, all week and your practice habits, And so that's what's our belief in all those things and our trust in each other as what allowed us to, to just kind of stay the course and, and uh, move past the storm.
1: So coach, you grew up in Stephenville. We've talked about it quite a bit. So you're no stranger to the rivalry game y'all got coming up with Brownwood this week. And, you know, Duke, I was curious, do the players buy into it and buy into the hype of the rivalry, or is that more something that kind of keeps the fans in the community? Like, does it stay out of your locker room, or can you kind of see a different pep in the step this week?
3: Well, you know, uh, definitely, like you said, uh, the battle of 377, it, 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 it's a special game uh, for both sides. And it's special because it has such a, such a history. And, uh, you know, and such just just the dislike, hatred between the two groups. I mean, we are rivals oh, yeah. for a reason, right? I mean, that's what uh make makes uh th- this game and all games so special is you just have those groups that, that you play against. There's definite respect between the two of us, 13 state championships, um, between both of us with so seven in Brownwood and six here in Steveville. Um, and so we definitely respect them. And uh, what Coach Burnett and his staff has done, the good ball club they have um, this year. Um, as a coaching staff, um, we, we treat it like a normal week uh, yeah. because I, I don't want to make any moment any bigger for them. Because in reality, guys, it already is. <laughs> they're getting <laughs> yeah. home. They're getting. They're filling up gas. They're they're out at a restaurant. I mean, everybody's gonna know something. Everybody's gonna say something. I hate Brownwood. They they beat my group. <laughs> know, yada, 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 or we beat them, and uh, don't pull off. I, I hear that all the time, you know, don't, <laughs> pull the, call, don't call the dogs off and all those types of things. So they're going to get it everywhere else. They don't need of to course. get Yeah, They don't need to get that, that pressure from us. And so um, ultimately just a fun week and bonfire last night, um, you know, and some traditions that we have and, and send our sub-varsities over there tonight and, and then have a special pep rally uh, tomorrow. On top of it being the rivalry game, uh, we have a – well, we pick out one game every year, and we call it the heart of gold game, where we're able to uh, take uh, nominations and we're able to pick one recipient that's going through, a, going through a hard time here in the community. And so it's just a, a sense of pride for, for Stephen Bill and what we're all about. And we're able to bless that family then uh, with all the proceeds from T-shirt sales going back to them. Um, so this year, our recipient is Eliana Jones. Um, Ellie is a, a nine-year-old with Down syndrome, and uh, she just got, got diagnosed uh, mid-July with leukemia. And uh-huh. so she's been up at Cook's Children's and getting her chemo treatments. And, uh, it, it, you know, as you can imagine, taking a toll on her. Uh, but And she hadn't been been to school yet. Um, but, but, uh, you know, Lord willing, get her through her treatments and, and get her counts back where they need to and, and get her back a, a normal routine. Cause, uh, she, you know, I had three different people nominate her. It's just, you could tell just the vibrant spirit that comes off, uh, from her. And, uh, I've been, I, I've been able to meet her once already and, mm-hmm. and so we get to honor her too. So man, just phenomenal week for us.
2: Yeah, Coach, that's really awesome to see the community rallying around her, and uh, I, lo- I love that y'all do that. That's that's just really cool, and it just speaks volumes to, you know, the, the game is big, but the community and the camaraderie with the community is so much bigger. Um, but mo- moving on a little bit, so speaking of, you know, the big-time matchup with Brownwood, when you look at them, what really has caught your eye, or what are some of the biggest challenges that the Lions are going to present
3: Yeah, I think defensively they're flying the ball. They're they're physical up front, and they're playing good defense right now. Uh, Offensively, quarterback that's long and can run and can throw the ball down the field and hurt you. Talented running back, Mm -hmm. uh, big offensive line. You know, they come in playing a a four-game winning streak. Yeah. uh, You know, both of us are trying to create momentum as we head into our district district schedule. They're starting next week, and so uh, uh, – and then the next thing I see is just, man, they're playing with a lot of passion, a lot of energy. Uh, yeah. You can tell on, on video that they, they, they're they excited to be out there with their brothers and playing yeah. the game. So those are some things that, that I've noticed on video.
1: Go ahead, Toby. We'll
2: yeah, ahead. so, Coach, uh, you, you you spoke about you know heading into district. Uh, it's really – you never want to look ahead, but it's rare to see the number one team in the state and the number two team in the state in the same district is it difficult to keep your guys, you know, from looking forward to that game, knowing how big of a matchup that's going to be during district play?
3: You know, I, I definitely not uh, this week. Um, and then we, we really try to keep them busy and, and yeah. keep them going, you know, uh, and just understand the value of uh, district championships not going to be won, uh, you know, uh, that 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 first – all of our goals are met after our four district games, okay? And so right. – uh, you know, our number one goal there is to, to to make the playoffs. And so that starts with winning your first game in district. And then, you know, obviously making the uh, – and then obviously competing and winning for a district championship and then a state championship. And so uh, it's it's very unique for number one and number two to be in the same mm-hmm. same district. They're playing some great football uh, down mm-hmm. there in China. And uh, when that week turns – when that week comes, where we can turn the page and start focusing on – on uh, the Cougars, you know, then we'll do that. But, but you know, right now we're just staying within, you know, or with our binders on and, and the road that we have in front of us.
1: Of course. Yep. So, Coach, we, re- we really appreciate you hopping on. This is a blast. You're one of our favorite interviews. we got one more question for you. And it's really become kind of like a fan favorite because of, like, the wild answers we get. And uh, so I'm going to ask you, what is a hill you're willing to die on? Like you know, like what's the most polarizing take you have on a subject? We, you know, we've had people tell us that beans belong in chili, candy corn's the best candy. Uh, I believe that Chris Stapleton's highly overrated. No matter wh- how many people tell you you're wrong, what's the one thing you won't change your opinion on?
3: All right. I, first off, I got I got to handle uh, this situation here with Chris. <laughs> have, you seen, <laughs> have you seen him in concert?
1: I have not. I okay. I- okay. I- <laughs>
3: Then you can't have that take, my man. I'm sorry. That's a good point.
2: That's a good if you point. I ain't
3: seen him in concert because I've yeah. seen him twice. Yeah. Okay, let's see. Uh, open for the Eagles, saw him in oh, nice. a place that's not great acoustics, Minute May Park. Um, and he was absolutely phenomenal. He went on about six o'clock, his summertime. The sun was still coming in. Uh, and Chris absolutely slayed it. And then I got to see him just last year. Uh, Willie Nelson opened up for him uh, at uh, the Rangers, Rangers Ballpark, and uh, absolutely just 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 killed it. So, I want to challenge you, Jordy, that, that you need to go see him live okay. before you have that hot take. <laughs> a heel I'm willing to die on. Um, I'm a I'm a big music man, you know. So, let's just say if I if I only had three artists to listen to. For the rest of my life, these 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 three are going to be my guys, and it's going to be the Eagles. It's going to be my boy Luke Combs. Um, if you don't like just a big old offensive lineman up there belting it out about good old country values, then, <laughs> then something's wrong with you. Yeah. And you got to go see Luke in concert too. He's he's phenomenal. Um, so those two, and then you got to go back to the King, and that oh, that's. Yeah. Best door straight. So, oh, yeah, I'll uh, always be no, no coach.
2: That, that Luke Combs one hurts a little bit because he's an App State guy, and uh, my team, we're, you know, we're they end up grads.
3: To, yeah, sorry, boys, bringing <laughs> no. up his clothes. It's all good. He is, he <laughs> bounced back against Miami. Yeah,
1: and then, golly,
3: what what, what we lifting the ball up from the four yard line? What are we doing?
1: Oh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with it. I'm okay. Yeah. With
3: Kendall and I uh, grew up together uh, you know, the OC at Arkansas and wow. I'm like, what is happening? So anyway, yeah, that's that, awesome. was, that
1: was, I was on a, I was on a church retreat all weekend. So I was like in, in between events, I was literally running into the kitchen be like, Hey, I'm going to go help the cooks with the dishes. Cause they had the game up on the iPad in there. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Which
3: one app state at Arkansas,
1: Arkansas. I was at the okay. app state game. I've never been more embarrassed in my life for somebody that wasn't me. Yes, it was, it was a rough game.
3: Yeah, for sure. Well, they do it again, you know, oh. just like they did in uh, Michigan. Michigan in
1: 07. Was it '07? Yeah, I think it was 07. And
3: yeah. then, and then, you know, Troy's pretty dang good too. But I, you could definitely tell oh, really? a little bit of letdown.
1: Talk yeah. talk about a uh, a whirlwind of emotions over three weeks for App State fans. Holy that that Troy game was insane. <laughs> yes, for sure. So, okay, I'm sorry. I'm going to ask one more question now that we talked about it. What are you doing if you're Troy? You know, when they went and took the safety, what are you doing in that situation? Are you punting? 20 seconds is a long time to to pull the safety trick.
3: Yeah, I, I, but the deal is you don't want that puppy blocked either. True. You know, they're coming after it. That's always been my main mindset is, is man, you're in terrible field position. Mm-hmm. You know, at, at that point, what's your percentage to win the football game? Mm-hmm. Are, are, are you going to uh, rely on your, your punt team to execute coming out of there when you know they got a, a, a great block on, or are you going to put it on your, your Hail Mary team? Mm-hmm. And uh, ultimately I think majority of the time, probably the book says, you know, you, you're going to go ahead and take that, take that safe.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: But yeah, I know that's a great question.
1: Yeah. All righty coach. Well, we'll let you get back to it. Uh, we really enjoyed talking to you. Good luck this week. Good luck the rest of the season. Uh, maybe if you're not busy, we'll catch you later in the season when China Spring rolls around.
3: Yeah, that'd be great, guys. I appreciate y'all having me on. All Thanks,
0: right, have Coach. a good week.
1: Thank y'all. Bye.
0: Right. Right. I got my new food.